Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campy Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions. However, we normally don't have enough time to get around to all the questions that get sent in. But if you sent in those questions and you tip to support the show, I want to make sure you don't have to wait too long to get those questions answered. So we gather them up and we address them here on companion videos. Now, if you'd like to know how to send in a question to be read on the John Campia show or in a companion video like this one, simply go down anytime, 24 seven, you don't have to wait for the show to be live, down into the description of this video and you'll see a tip link. Click on that there or enter it in manually at www, that's the wrong one, enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your question read on a show if of course we deem your question appropriate to be used on our show and of course you'll be supporting our channel at the same time and all of us involved here at the john campus show thank you guys very much for your support by the way i want to let you guys know about this so earlier today on the john campus show i told you guys about how you know every year we do the adopt a family thing at christmas and we tell you guys about it every year to try to get you to go and sign up and be a part of adopt a family yourself it's an incredible experience this year we were so moved by the story that the the uh, uh, the adoptive family organization told us about this family that we've adopted this year, we were so moved by it. Um, basically, just to give you a summary, uh, it's a single mom of three young boys, and she lost her husband who was murdered in the street while trying to stop another man from assaulting a woman. So she lost her husband. And then she was making ends meet by doing a lot of smaller part-time jobs, but then COVID hit and she lost all those jobs. And she was being helped out by her father and her sister. And this was prior to the wide availability of vaccines. She lost her father and her sister to COVID. Um, and it's just been a terrible, terrible sequence of events. And we were so moved by that, that Anne and I thought, we'll do something we've never done. Like we've done the adopt a family thing for eight years, but we've never asked you guys. Well, we ask you guys every year to get involved, call your local municipality, ask about the local adopt a family program and get involved yourselves. We've never asked you to jump on board with us and help us with our family this year. But this year we were like, we want to give, they've had the most ridiculous, awful year, two years we can imagine. Let's give them just one great day. Let's give them, we may not be able to change the world. We may not be able to change their lives forever, but you know, like Joker says, all it takes is one bad day, right? To turn a Batman into a Joker. I believe in the power of one good day. So let's give them one good day. And so we put together an Amazon wish list with all the things that this family needed. And, you know, it was just a lot of basic necessity stuff, things like jackets and backpacks and socks and underwear and, and, and soap and just things like that. And so what we did, we put together a wish list and we thought if we can get you guys to help us out with that stuff, Ann and I will take care of the big stuff ourselves. We also included asking people for 30, $30 Amazon gift, gift cards, 30, 30, uh, $30 Amazon gift cards. We were hoping that maybe five or six of you would get them. What happened was before the show was even over. Before the John Campion show was even over today, everything on the wish list had been bought. You guys bought everything, including all 30, 30, $30 Amazon gift cards, all 30 of them. 
So we were like, oh my gosh, what, what? And so Ann and I, we went in and refilled the wish list with things like maybe a desks for the boys, uh, chairs for the boys to sit in at their desks, maybe a dresser for their thing, some more, uh, you know, hoodies and sweatshirts and things like that. Anything that we could come up with that. And we put on 30 more $30 Amazon gift cards for this family so they can get whatever else they need. And we did that today. And now tonight, as of the recording of this video, you guys have got them all again. <laughs> Everything we put on the wish list, you guys have already got, um, which is incredible. It's, it's absolutely incredible. We were so moved by this. And so what we're going to do is for the next couple of days, we're simply going to put in the description of tomorrow's John Campia show, the link to my wife, Anne's PayPal account. We're going to bypass uh, my business PayPal account. And we're just going to put up a, a link to Anne's PayPal account. So you guys have got all the stuff that we knew they needed on and, and then some. So now we're going to just raise as much money as we can to, on top of all this, give a gift card, either like a Walmart or a Target or maybe a prepaid Visa card. We're just going to raise as much money as we can and put it all onto a prepaid Visa card. So on top of all the things that you guys have gotten for this family and that we're getting for this family, the mom is going to have a lot extra to help pay the bills, to get any other necessities that they need that maybe we didn't cover in, in the gifting itself. Basically, you guys have given this family an incredible Christmas. They don't even just know it yet. And so I want to thank all of you for that. I mean, it's literally thousands and thousands of dollars worth of stuff that you guys bought for this family. And uh, I, Ann and I couldn't be more amazed. Like Ann was just flabbergasted. When I told her after the show was done, I said, look, honey, go look at the wish list. And she goes, what, is something wrong? I said, no, no, just go look at the wish list. And she opened it up and she was like, there's something wrong. I, what, do you, what do you mean something's wrong? She goes, all the items are gone. I said, that's because they're all bought. She couldn't believe it. Like, and couldn't believe it. Ray was in tears. Like when, when you guys told us today that everything was so, I saw, I know I'm going on and on about this, but Ray was literally in tears about it. So big thank you to all you guys. And if you want to still contribute to making like the most incredible Christmas for this family that really deserves it. Uh, just join us tomorrow for the John Campy show. Anyway, guys, thanks for allowing me to blabber on about that. Uh, what we're here for right now is to get caught up on the questions you guys sent in. So let's go and start getting caught up on those. Shall we? We're going to start getting caught up uh, with one from Chris Douglas and Chris Douglas writes, I had not been looking forward to Hawkeye, barely watched any promotional material, and the stuff I did watch didn't interest me at all. However, I binged the first two episodes with laser focus, and it really worked for me, and I'm intrigued to see it through. Uh, you know what? I think most people are saying they really quite liked Hawkeye. I am not a huge fan of the first two episodes. Not going to lie. There are some good things in it that I liked. Some key things, like I really liked most stuff that had to do with Hawkeye himself was great. Him struggling and dealing with his um, uh, physical uh, problems, his emotional issues that he's having to deal with, uh, the fact that he's reconnecting with his kids, you know, all that kind of stuff. Everything about that, but I'm having a, a little bit of a struggle with the rest of the show. Like, I'm not on board with the Kate Bishop character. I don't find the Kate Bishop character very likable. She's not particularly smart or bright. Um, I'm just, and I love Haley Steinfeld, love her, but I'm struggling with it, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll see how tomorrow night's episode goes. All right. Next up, 
We got one, another one from Chris Douglas who writes, does it bother you when large franchises like Marvel or popular genres like comic book movies dominate so much of the news and discussion around films in general? Are you ever frustrated when the majority of your tip comments and questions are on those topics? Not at all. Here's the thing. I compare it to this. Now, first of all, you know, I had somebody write in the other day and said, like, all you talk about the last couple of weeks is Spider-Man and comic book movies. I said, really? Okay, let's look at the last three days of shows and look at the topics. And literally two-thirds of the topics, two-thirds of the topics had nothing to do with comic book movies or Spider-Man or anything like that. I know it feels like it because, like, we'll make that the, the thumbnail because the thumbnail is just a marketing tool, right? And Spider-Man, and particularly right now, Spider-Man is the number one most talked about most important movie event coming up. It just is. I mean, everybody knows that. But I said, if you actually look at our topics and what we're talking about, yeah, we're talking a lot of Spider-Man, but we're talking a lot of other stuff too. The majority of the stuff we're talking about is not Spider-Man. But here's what I compare it to. It's like tuning into a sports show during the month of the Super Bowl and go, why are you guys talking so much about the NFL playoffs? Well, because the NFL is the biggest sport here, it's by far is the biggest, most popular sport here, and it's the playoffs. It's an important time, so that's what everybody's looking for is news and talk about the NFL playoffs. So that's what they're going to headline all their stuff with on the sports shows. That's what is here. We are a movie show. And yes, we talked about Death on the Nile. And yes, we'll talk about, you know, all the other, we'll talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife and we'll talk about Encanto and we'll talk about uh, Gucci, House of Gucci and we'll talk about uh, The Last Duel and we'll talk about all those things, yes, but the reality is the most popular films in the world right now are comic book films, Star Wars films, genre films, those are the most popular. So yeah, of course, those are always going to have a percentage chunk of the talk on our show as well. It, again, it's like tuning into sports center and saying, wait a minute, why did they spend 10 minutes talking about the Super Bowl? Well, because it's the most important thing. It's the most popular thing right now. But listen, I make sure we go out of our way to always make sure there is a balance of stuff we talk about. Yes, the thumbnails will always be about the big, major, important, popular topics. Absolutely, that's going to be in the thumbnail. But when you go through our shows, you'll see we do mix it up when we talk about a lot of different things. Now, as far as do I ever get tired about all the questions get sent in are often about the big popular genre stuff. Not at all. If Listen, this is, we have a community here. And if those are the things that people want to write in and talk about, then let's talk about them. But we also have people writing in, listen, we literally just the other day had people writing in asking about, or somebody wrote in a question asking about 12 Angry Men. And we talked about 12 Angry Men, you know, and a bunch of things like that. So uh, no, it, it's it's never frustrating to me that fans want to talk about the things they want to talk about. So anyway, that's just me. All right. The good question though, Chris Douglas, thanks for sending that in, man. All right. Next up, Chris Douglas also writes, why do you think so many Disney plus series like Hawkeye and the Mandalorian have six to nine episode seasons? Is it quality over quantity, more budget per episode? Is it because these studios have a background in blockbuster film making practices? Thanks, John. Well, I mean, really, when you look at it, six, six is a stretch. But just in streaming, even cable, when you look at like things like HBO, like eight episode seasons have kind of become the norm, right? 
eight to 10, but it's even getting shorter. Now we got like six episode seasons. I mean, I think people in the UK have written into me and say, Hey, listen, they, we have four episode seasons of some shows, right? But that's just kind of become the standard. Whether you look at HBO or whatever, like around the eight episode mark, give or take a bit, that's kind of where they fall into. Like Arcane, which is on Netflix right now and my favorite animated show of all time. It's nine episodes this season, so it's only one above that. Um, I honestly feel like it's it's a keeping costs down measure. Uh, when they when you get into six episodes, to me that's just them keeping the costs down. Plus, Marvel isn't accustomed to doing longer form storytelling. They're really more um, accustomed to doing movies, which, you know, the movie is my preferred medium. You know, a two hour and 20 minute movie is my preferred storytelling medium, but that's also what Kevin Feige is just used to. So doing six episodes is, you know, closer to what they're used to. So I wouldn't be surprised if we start getting more, but uh, again, the around the eight episode thing seems to be kind of normal today. So it's not just a Disney plus thing. All right, next up. Thanks for writing that in, Chris. Uh, Kong's Young writes, one of three. Hey, John, so glad to hear that you love Arcane. Dude, I'm telling you, I think it's my favorite animated series of all time. Uh, just so you know, the game has over 150 champions, each with their own unique lore. While nothing is confirmed yet for season two, the general consensus among the players is that next season should cover uh, a different region. No, absolutely not. I'm going to stop you right there, Kong. No, I don't care what the players want. No. You have laid a foundation of what your story is. The story is Vi and Powder or Jinx, Jace and Victor. I mean, this is your story. And no, they shouldn't be getting, well, you know, uh, there's 150 champions. Let's just uh, keep the players happy by telling stories. Some of the no, 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 no. This is your story. I've never played the game. I listen, I'll be frank with you. I don't give a shit about the game. I've got the game. Well, no, you know what? I just swapped my computer. But so I, I just installed my new computer this week. So I don't have League of Legends. On, I have it on my old computer sitting over there. I've got League of Legends on my machine and all that kind of stuff. But I will be straight up honest with you. I will represent most of the people who watched Arcane on Netflix. I don't give a shit about the game. This story is what got me. These characters is what got me. You don't spend nine episodes laying the foundation of an incredible story like this and then go, well, you know, we got a lot of other characters in the game. Let's move on and just do things with other characters. No, you stick with this. Introduce new characters as you go. But yeah, and again, I'm not shit talking League of Legends. I'm not saying it's not a brilliant game. I'm just saying as far as the Netflix storytelling property that is arcane, I could give a shit about the game. Don't care. When it comes to this, I don't care about that. This is what matters. This is what works. So that's kind of my take on that. Anyway, let's keep, keep reading through your question, though, Zong. Uh, a different region and the champions in that region. Considering how much uh, non-league players love the stories in season one and how the season ended, it would be a mistake for Riot to go with the new... It would be a mistake, or would it be a mistake, for Riot to go with a new cast of champions and new storylines? Absolutely, it would be a horrendous, terrible mistake. Um... Thought I needed three posts. Keep up the awesome work. And I stand with Ray. Hashtag, well, there'll be no Sriracha on eggs. Hashtag Sriracha on eggs. There'll be no Sriracha on eggs. There's none of that. But uh, guess what? It's Monday night. The Monday night football game came and went. And there was no, as I was so sure there was going to be, there was no new trailer for Spider-Man. So tomorrow on the John Campus Show, I'm going to have to eat myself a little plate of ketchup on eggs. Anyway, um, yeah, it, it would absolutely be a 
monumental mistake, unspeakably large mistake to abandon what you've created now in Arcane, in Arcane, my number one favorite animated show of all time now, you continue with this story. You don't go, okay, there's that. Now let's go over and blah, blah. No, no. Especially with that cliffhanger, right? But that's not to say, like just like Game of Thrones, as the seasons progress, new characters get introduced and you broaden the world. You can do that with Arcane as well. You get into season two, you stick with your main story, but you start to expand it. You bring in new characters. You start to make the world a little bit bigger. So that, absolutely. Just slam on the brakes on this story just so you can bring in more of the game players' favorite characters. Nah, you don't do that. Make it grow, grow organically the way it should be. Anyway, thanks for writing that in, man. I really appreciate that. All right, next up. Chris Douglas writes, John, I've been watching the show for a few years now, and it's really impressive to see how far it's come in production and quality. Well, thank you, man. I work very hard on that, actually. Uh, you're all fantastic to listen to on the daily. As I'm reminiscing, I was wondering if you knew uh, how Ashley Whalen was doing. Yeah, um, Ashley Whalen just, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I'm, I don't, I haven't been on the phone with Ashley Whalen in forever, but I do check in on her and we, we drop each other little notes here and there. Um, let me see if I can find her right now. Hold a second. Um, um, let me see if I can find her. I think this is her. I think this is her. Yes. So I would highly encourage you, um, because uh, we'll, we'll drop each other little things now and again, go and check out Ashley's, uh, Instagram, which is huge. She's got like over 24,000 followers on Instagram. Go and check her out on there. She seems like she's doing really busy. Every time I look in there, it seems like she's, uh, on another shoot or helping produce something or whatever. Uh, and she's very, very active on social media as well. So go keep up with her there and uh, tell her John sent you as you do. But yeah, she seems to be doing really, really great. I mean, Ashley was one of the, the, uh, the hosts on the show that would do a lot of the reading, the questions, stuff like that. And the best reason of all, she started just getting more work like for modeling and acting and things like that, that she couldn't really do the, the show regularly. So we parted ways for all the best reasons in the world, but yeah, keep up, go follow Ashley on her social media. She seems to be doing really well. All right. Let's go on now. Uh, next up, we have, uh, that was Chris Douglas. Next up, we have Anonymous who writes, Happy Thanksgiving, John. Thank you so much. I had a great Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, thank you for taking the time to hop online and provide a stream for us. My question is, regarding the theatrical releases, in your opinion, what do you expect the Phase 5 lineup to look like and or what would you like to see? Well, listen, I've said this many times, Anonymous, and I'll, I'll say it again here. I, I try not to be one of those guys that tries to write what the story of a movie or of a franchise should be before I see it. Like, I, I don't like doing that. I just want Kevin Feige and his great team to give us what they're going to give us. It's not like, well, I want to see this and I want to see this. And if, when they do this, they better have this. Th no, 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 no. I, I don't do that anymore. I used to do that a lot. I used to do that a lot. But I, I just decided not to do that anymore. I have no expectations for what we're going to see in phase five. I don't think this, you need to do this and you need to do this. So I don't even think about any of that whatsoever. What's it going to look like? Who knows? I mean, we know about some elements. Fantastic Four is coming. We know that. So how is that going to... The big question is, how are they going inter to uh, integrate the X-Men stuff? 
into their MCU world. That's going to be interesting. Of course, a big question is Deadpool. You know, how are they going to be integrating Deadpool into all this? That's to me is actually even the most fascinating question right now. Is how on earth are they going to be integrating Deadpool into all this, which I think is going to be really fascinating. But as far as what I want to see and what I hope and what I'd like to see them do, now nah, I don't play that game. I just want to sit back and say, creators, show us what you got. Where are you taking us? And not go into it with a lot of expectations. But again, there are some things we know. Deadpool's coming. Fantastic Four are coming. X-Men are coming. It's going to be really neat to see how they shape all that. Thanks for writing that in, Anonymous. Next up, we got uh, Nikolai writes in, with Arcane destroying the curse of uh, adapting video games to film, we just need a show to break the curse of adapting anime properties into live action. I hoped Cowboy Bebop would be it, but no. My hopes now lie with Netflix's One Piece live action adaptation. Yeah, listen, and a few people have been writing in about One Piece. I honestly know nothing about it other than it's like the most popular uh, manga or anime in the world. I Look, quite frankly, God, I don't know a lot about it. I really don't. So I can't give too much on that. I have not heard good things about Cowboy Bebop. I wasn't the biggest fan of the show, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't think the the anime, the original animation stuff sucked. It's just, I, I didn't think it was all that great as many people do. And that's fine. I didn't think it was bad. And I love John Cho, but when I saw the trailers for Cowboy Bebop, I'm like, this doesn't look all that good. And then I started hearing from some people that were actually pretty disappointed by it. And that's unfortunate to see. Yeah, listen. Arcane is really neat because it does something that I've always said video game movies really need to do. Ignore the video game, right? Take the premise of the game. Take thematic elements of the game, but just focus on making a good movie. Making a good video game movie should be no different than making, just start with the concept of how do we make a good movie? Not how do we make a good video game movie? How do we make a good movie? I feel like too many times studios and filmmakers try to make a good video game movie, which dooms them to fail. I feel like Arcane just didn't give, give a crap. They were just like, okay, this is what we're taking from this video game world. Now forget everything else. Let's make a great story out of this. And let's just make a great show. That's kind of felt to me what their approach was. But yeah, I, I would love to see more video game adaptations hit this kind of quality. And yeah, I know a lot of people because Death Note wasn't it, <laughs> right? Dragon Ball was not it. You know, the, the stuff we've gotten so far. So here's hoping that they're going to be able to break through on that, Nikolai. All right, next up. Run Boy Run Productions writes, Weekly releases of shows have proven they work so far on platforms. My question is, why won't Disney release both Marvel and Lucas shows at the same time? I think right now because they Disney Plus has a limited amount of content. A limited amount of premium high-profile content. And so they want to make sure something is always coming out. Like right now, there's we got Hawkeye is coming out, right? Hawkeye is coming out. And then shortly after Hawkeye has done its run, Book of Boba Fett will start. The reason they don't want to double up on it is because then they don't want to go a month straight without new episodes of premium hot content dropping every week. Now, as Disney Plus starts to intensify their output and they start having more programming happening, then you're going to start seeing them overlapping a bit. And that'll be a lot of fun when that starts to happen. But for now, they simply don't put out enough premium content. 
And so they space it out to try to make sure that every week something big is hitting on Disney+. Plus. That seems to be the strategy right now. Great question, man. All right, next up. Runboy One Productions also writes, Do you think Disney will learn to balance Marvel shows to sell on both Hulu and Disney Plus? Maybe using Hulu as the mature slash darker shows. After all, the shows on Netflix were dark. Using Hulu for shows like that would be a plus. Your thoughts? I don't necessarily think it would be a plus. Listen, Kevin Feige was addressing this recently when they were talking about, you know, when remember when the big hubbub was going on that people found out that Blade wasn't going to be rated R? Well, that all came from Kevin Feige basically giving a thing of that. I have no interest in doing R-rated material. We're going to make an exception for Deadpool because Deadpool had already established what it was with Fox, right? Deadpool has already been established clearly as R-rated stuff. Blade is a new iteration. And so Blade isn't going to be R-rated. It's going to be super violent. I mean, just look at Venom 2. Look how many people died. Look how many people were straight up murdered in Venom 2. How many people had their subscription to life canceled on, on Venom 2? It was brutal. A lot of people died very violently in that. And guess what? It was PG-13. You get to kill a lot of monsters and robots and aliens without it being R. It's when you start killing people. If Blade has Blade going around killing a lot of vampires, you can get As long as you don't make it like super gory, and gory doesn't make a show any better. Uh, as long as you don't go super, super gory and make their blood black instead of red, something you can get away with a hell of a lot of violence. At, at any rate, the main point here is this. Kevin Feige has already said he has no desire to go R-rated or anything like that. And if you're not going to go R-rated, you don't have to avoid putting on Disney+. Plus. So I don't think Kevin Feige is interested in making a lot of stuff for Hulu and going darker, more mature. Listen, I don't care what people say. The MCU carries a lot of mature themes. I mean, you look at Eternals. Eternals brings into questions the whole brings into question the whole issues of existence, of the origins of life and the universe, about the creators of the solar system, the world coming to an end. Big, like existential questions too about about the meaning of existence and life, and even like dilemmas about how. Okay, they want to destroy the world. They want the earth to be destroyed. But the earth being destroyed would mean a new solar system would be born with more worlds and billions and billions of lives being born. I mean, it raises some great big questions. These are mature themes. When you look at like even some like Thor Ragnarok, which was a super funny movie, but you had Thor with the death facing the death of his father. You had him losing his eye, the destruction of his homeworld. I mean, a lot of dark, dark things happen in Thor Ragnarok. A lot of very dark things. Suter, the, the devil, basically himself, destroying Asgard, their home world. Thor having to basically orchestrate the death of his own sister. There are dark, mature themes in that, but it's just packaged in a very fun, oftentimes very fun, kind of lighthearted way. And so Kevin Feige can play in that playground, but he has no desire to do our material. So I don't, I don't think so, run boy. I don't think so. But hey, we'll see what the future holds. All right, next up. Troika writes, regarding Arcane, I love the three 40-minute episode format. It functioned as almost a weekly movie. It really did. I never felt I'd waited a week for an unsatisfying or short episode. Let me try this again. I never felt 
I'd waited a week for an unsatisfying or short episode, which is the biggest thing I dislike about normally week release, normal weekly releases. Could we see more of this format? Maybe yes, maybe no. It depends. I remember with Mandalorian, I would get frustrated once or twice. And even with, with WandaVision too, when you tuned in, you realize there's only like eight episodes. And why is this episode like under 30 minutes with credits? I mean, what's going on with that? We're only doing so many episodes. So I know what you're saying there. But I think what they did with Arcane is really more of a intermediate step. Because, you know, Netflix normally just drops all their episodes at once. I think what they want to do over the next three, four, five years is move to a week by week format. So this is kind of an, it feels like a little bit of an intermediary step of let's drop something three episodes at a time, but I'll tell you what it worked. But then again, the single episode weekly release worked really well for, uh, like uh, Mandalorian. It definitely worked for WandaVision, which went from a modestly viewed show to the number one show in the world after I think five weeks. So I don't know. I, I could see them experimenting with this more though, Troika. I could see them experimenting with it more. All right. Anton Riley writes, uh, saw Encanto last night. Absolutely. My favorite animated movie of the year. Love the songs. Lin-Manuel Miranda did an amazing job. Can't stop listening to. We don't talk about Bruno. Uh, love the message about family as well. Ann and I were going to go see Encanto tonight, but I had to stay home to watch the Monday night football game to see if they would put out a new Spider-Man trailer and they did not even though I was pretty damn confident they would. And I lost my bet with Ray. Oh, I lost my bet with Ray, but I cannot wait to see it, Anton. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on it. Dangerous D writes, Hey, John, I think once Warner Brothers slash Discovery is official, their first priority is the DC shows, particularly CW shows. They, pardon me. They should major overhaul and cancel some of their poor performing shows. Uh, Stargirl, Flash, Batwoman, Titans needs retooled, uh, go in a different direction. I don't think that is definitely not going to be their number one priority. That is absolutely not going to be their number one priority. Um, but it will be something they need to address at some point. As far as Flash, I think everybody knows that's on its last breath now. That, that's going to be coming to a close soon. Stargirl, I don't even know anybody that watches Stargirl personally. I don't I watched the first three episodes when it when it came out and it's just I didn't hate it, but it just it wasn't for me. So I kind of passed on that one. Uh, Batwoman, I ditched after two episodes. Again, I didn't hate it. I just like this clearly wasn't a show that was for me. And that's that's fine. No big deal. Um, and Flash is on its last breath. So I think you probably will see Discovery, you know, doing some reevaluating of, of what to do, what not to do. I, I personally don't like Titans, so I'd be perfectly happy if they canceled it, too. But listen, I just. I don't watch Titans, so I don't care if they cancel it or not. It doesn't hurt me at all. It always, I've never understood people wanting, oh man, I hope they cancel that show. Why? People are watching it and people like it. Well, I hate it. So what? Then don't watch it. Why do, why do you want them to cancel it and cancel other people's joy? You don't have to watch it. You're, you're, it's fine. It always makes me laugh too when I see these people. Oh man, I wish they would stop making these comic book movies. Why? Is somebody, you know, tying you up and dragging you to a movie theater and forcing your eyelids open with two picks and forcing you to watch them? No? Then shut up. Then shut up. Well, if they didn't make the comic book movies, they, no, 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 they wouldn't make any more other movies. Comic book movies are not stopping your movies from getting made. The movies you like are getting made. It's just ain't nobody going to go see them. It's what happens most of the time. But anyway, 
Everybody always looks for a scapegoat as to why the thing they like isn't more popular at any rate. Uh, but we'll see where they go with that. But again, it's not going to be their number one priority, like not even probably number four or five or six or seven on their priority list. But at some point, they'll probably address. And I think you're going to see some changes going on there. All right. Next up. Dangerous D also writes, hey, John, I bought an anchor vertical economic mouse. I've seen those before. Um, I've been battling carpal tunnel for a long time, and this helps me relax my wrists when I use my laptop. I got a lot of things that I have to do to relieve my CT, and this is a start. Do you worry about this too? You know, I used to worry about it, but I've never experienced any symptoms of it myself. Uh, despite all the writing and typing and everything that I do, I've never really even approached starting to feel remotely uncomfortable. Now, having said that, uh, I did run out not too long ago and I got one of these. Uh, let's see if I can get that. There it is. I got the Logitech MX Master 3 uh, mouse. And I'll tell you what, this thing is amazing. I saw a bunch of YouTubers talking about it. And my brother-in-law, Ray, he had one too. And I and I used his. I'm like, oh my God, this is like the most comfortable thing I've ever used as far as a mouse goes. It's a little pricey for a mouse. Like it's 99 bucks, which I guess is not ridiculous. Some gamers pay like three or 400 bucks for their gaming mice. But it's my favorite, even though I've never suffered any issues with carpal tunnel at all. But this has been very, very comfortable for me to use. So something you might want to look into at some point. Thanks for writing that in, Dangerous. Next up, Michael Bradley writes, Hello, John. I like Tenet and Eternals, and I would consider both to be very dense. My question for you is, which would you consider more dense? Thanks. It completely depends on what your definition of dense is. Some people define dense in a movie as how complicated is it? If that's how you're defining it, then Tenet is easily the more dense movie. Some people would say that would define dense in a movie as far as how weighty are the themes in it. Well, if that were the case, I would say Eternals is probably a little bit more dense. I mean, you're talking about the very nature of existence of the universe and all that kind of stuff. That, that, so it really all, there's no one definitive answer. It all kind of depends on what you're defining by dense. But they're both in their own right, very dense movies. You're right about that, Michael. All right, next up. Benny95 writes, Hey, John, I showed my mom the second Spider-Man trailer. She loves Raimi's Spider-Man films, by the way. And she said, looks good, but I'll watch it if Toby's in it. Uh, so there you go. Sony's going to want folks like my parents to see this film and no better way than to reveal them ASAP. I completely agree. I completely agree, which is part of the reason why I thought so sure I mean, I never knew. I never had any inside information. It was always just me guessing and speculating. But my guessing and speculating, I felt pretty good that we were going to get a new trailer today, Monday, at Monday Night Football, which they've done before. And I, I wasn't 100% sure if they did play a new trailer that they would show Toby and uh, and Andrew, but I, I felt pretty good that they would do that too. Like, I felt really good that there was going to be a trailer and then felt if there is a trailer pretty good that they would show them and they didn't there's still a chance that there will be i still believe there will be a third trailer and there is a chance that when they do a third and final trailer that they will maybe show andrew and toby who knows no idea but it's still possible it's still possible all right thanks for that benny next up dangerous d writes I've never heard of the spirit of it never heard of the spirit of 85 the joyride yeah the ghost that baited cops doing 130. Oh, this is, um, that's Kevin Spacey. Um, uh, the, the Edgar Wright film. This is a uh, baby driver. 
Uh, headlights off, brake lights disconnected. He drove them around in circles on spaghetti junks and left them in the dust every time. That was our baby there. Yep, that was, I believe that was speech was given by Kevin Spacey in that movie. All right, I, I wish, oh, I wish Edgar Wright would do a second one of those. Uh, Ryan Butt writes, with No Way Home, Sony is forced to share 25% of the box office with Disney. Uh, out of nine total Spider-Man movies, this is the first one where they had to give 25% to another studio. Sony probably isn't too hot on making a fourth Spider-Man movie set in the MCU now. Well, I mean, yes and no, but you also have to understand this. It is not terribly uncommon for a movie to have two separate companies, a production company and a distribution company. Like most Marvel movies, it's all under the Disney roof. Disney is the production company and they're the distributor. A lot of Warner Brothers movies are like that too, but a lot of movies have a production company that makes the movie and then a distribution company that distributes it. And often they will have uh, things where the distribution company agrees to pay the production company a certain percentage of the box office and all that kind of stuff, right? So listen, whatever deal they make, Whatever deal they make, whether it's taking him back altogether, whether it's splitting it up, whether it's leaving him in the MCU, whatever it ends up being, Sony will make sure the deal they have profits them. That's going to be their bottom line. And if they keep him in the MCU part of the time or most of the time or all the time, you know that they're going to make sure that the financial arrangement works out in their benefit. And Marvel will too. They're going to make sure that the terms are going to be beneficial for them. Sony's going to make sure the terms are beneficial for them. So whatever works out to be, you know their bean counters would have done their business. All right, next up. Uh, Teddy Wren writes, two of three, but he doesn't have any one of three in here. I did not miss anything. So Teddy must have forgot. To, he must have been so anxious to get part two written and he forgot to put in part one. All right, Teddy Wren, two. Uh, let's see if we can figure out what he's talking about. Such as trading the Holocaust for Rwanda. I think we're talking about X-Men here. Uh, then you could say mutants were somewhat around, but just as inconspicuous as they were in the original times. But with the multiverse uh, Statue of Liberty machine happening, that's how we get the explosion. The explosion? Yep, the explosion uh, of mutant numbers, which is why a kid hasn't been getting mutant powers every five minutes in the world, because just like in the Holocaust times, they were really only in small numbers enough to stay concealed until this clash of universal energy. So what I think, I'm going to go out on a limb here and take a guess. What I think Teddy Wren is referring to is, I read a comment from one of our viewers with a great theory. I don't know that it's actually going to be what they're doing it, but it is a great theory that if you remember back in the original X-Men film, I think it was the original one. It ends on the Statue of Liberty. Magneto trying to basically has got this plan that takes place at the Statue of Liberty to turn everybody around them into mutants, that all the humans will be turned into mutants, right? And somebody said, well, it looks like that big fight in the Spider-Man trailer takes place at the Statue of Liberty. What if, as the multiverse opens up, what if Magneto and the X-Men, that, that moment comes through, only now Magneto is able to carry through 
with his plan, set off his device, and basically turn a whole ton of people there into mutants, that could be the way they introduce mutants into this universe. Again, I'm not saying I think that's what Kevin Feige and Marvel are doing, but it is a great theory, one that I really like. So I'm going to guess that that's what you're going, going with there on that, Teddy, having not read the first part of your question. And if so, I really like the idea. I don't think this is what they're going to do, but I personally really like the idea. All right, next up. We got Yumi writes, Hey, John and friends. Uh, did you happen to see Paul Sung, uh, Sun Hyung Lee? He is, of course, that X-Wing fighter pilot in Mandalorian, but more importantly, he's Mr. Kim in Kim's Convenience, and now he's going to be Uncle Iroh in the live-action Avatar The Last Airbender. I love him. Uh, listening to him reiterate his experience as both an immigrant and an Asian actor had me emotional. Such an inspiration. He's going to be so great as Uncle Iroh. You know what? No, I didn't know he did a TED Talk. But you can bet your ass I'm going to look that up and see it because I think this guy is great. I, I think he's absolutely great. I, I'm definitely going to go and try to look that up, Yumi. Thanks for letting me know about it, man. All right. Next up, we got the Call of Duty God who writes, Hey, John, I just finished episode seven of Arcane. And do you remember Hall Second? You know what? I'm going to have to skip over your question, Call of Duty God. For those of you, hope, for those of you listening to the podcast, he's asking a question about um, episode seven of Arcane and it could be revealing some things that could be considered spoilers. So I'm going to skip over that. Unfortunately, if you guys are watching this video, you probably read his comment. Uh, nothing I can do. But for those of you listening to the podcast version, I'm going to skip over it. So sorry about that, Call of Duty God. I, you send in a lot of really good questions often. But obviously, it looks like there's some spoiler stuff in there. I can't read it. All right. Uh, Noah Drazen writes, Hey, John. Discovered your channel a few months ago and have been tuning in every day since. Thank you so much, Noah. Good to have you here, man. I uh, was just curious, after watching Venom, Let There Be Carnage Again, are there things... Are there things... And he never got his second one written in. Ah, uh, nuts. Oh, no, sorry. I, there was a bottom line. I missed it. Are there things you look forward to or would like to see in Venom 3? Thanks. Well, again, Noah, I mean, I don't I don't like to write the story before the story writers do. I, I don't want to sit there and go, I want to see them do this, this, and this. Look, what I love most about the Venom movies is just the dynamic between Eddie and the symbiote. I mean, between Eddie and Venom. I love that dynamic. I literally could watch a whole movie of just two of them hanging out in an apartment all day bickering and bantering and getting along and not getting along back and forth. Just now, I honestly, I love it. I think it's great. It's why I loved the first Venom movie when a lot of critics didn't like it that much. And it's why I love the second Venom movie. I'm not saying I like the second Venom movie as much as the first necessarily, but I really was entertained by the second Venom movie, man. I saw it a couple times in theaters. I liked it a lot. So as long as you maintain that, as long as you maintain that the core of your movie is the dynamic between Eddie and Venom and whatever else you build around that is fine. Whoever your villain is, whatever your story is, go ahead, make your story and present it to us and I'll, I'll take what you want to give us. But I think just make sure you remember what the strength of this franchise is. The strength of the franchise is that, that dynamical, that dynamical, that dynamic relationship between Eddie and Venom. And as long as that's your core foundation, you do whatever you want to do with the story and I'll be there to check it out. All right, thanks for writing that in, Noah. And uh, glad to have you here around the uh, around the community with us. Thanks for joining us, man. All right, next up, Ryan Loner writes, here's how you can tell Netflix's Cowboy Bebop is a good adaptation. There's actually an equal number of people right now complaining that it either is not enough like the original or too much like it. I don't think that's a sign that, that something's good. I, I don't think that's a sign that something's good. 
uh, or a good adaptation. I think it's, it is funny though, when like some people complain, it's like when people complain, Campy is a WB shill. No, Campy is a Warner Brothers shill. No, he's a WB shill. I mean, it's, it's like, you guys got to get together and make up your mind. But it is pretty funny when talking about how fateful is the Cowboy Bebop adaptation. We've got a bunch of people saying it's too close to the original and a bunch of people saying it's not now. Of course, I haven't watched it yet myself, so I can't take a side. But that is kind of funny about that, Ryan. Well pointed out. All right, Mark Gommens writes, Hey, John, about a month ago, I got treated. I, I, let me try this again. About a month ago, I got treated myself to a monthly unlimited pass slash subscription to see an unlimited amount of movies in IMAX, 4DX, Dolby Atmos, etc., for 30 pounds or $34 per month, including a 25% discount on drink snacks. Good deal. Greetings from Holland. Fantastic deal. I, I would love to know. Obviously, you're in the UK. That's not here, but I pay. What do I pay? $25, $26 a month for my AMC A-list. And it's a fabulous deal. Especially because it costs like $18 to buy a movie ticket here. So I go to see two movies a month. I'm in the, so I'm going to see four, five, six, seven movies a month. Uh, it is a tremendous deal. And it gets me a little bit of a discount on my concessions. $30 a month or $34 a month. That gets you an unlimited number of movies. Uh, and a full 25% discount on your drinks and snacks. Dude, you're going to make back that $34 just in your 25% discount on drinks and snacks. I'm like, no joking. No joking. I think you found yourself an awesome deal, man. That sounds great. That sounds great. Uh, all right, next up, we got Sam Fisher who writes, I saw Encanto on Friday. A lot of people see it on Kanto, uh, Encanto on Friday, and it was excellent. That's what everybody's saying, Sam. Uh, the animation and the music were phenomenal. I had two predictions for the movie, though. One was wrong within 30 seconds of the movie starting. The other was only half right. The best animated feature, uh, definitely a best animated feature nomination. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's obvious. I mean, look, here's the thing. Best animation shouldn't even be a category at the Academy Awards. Not because I don't respect animation. I love animated films. Love them. But there's not enough competition. Like any decent, it feels like any decent animated film that comes out, it's practically a shoo-in for a nomination for best animated feature. Whereas like movies like, you know, best feature film, you've literally got 700 eligible movies that you got to compete against to get a nomination for that. Best animated, I don't know, what, what's re, what realistically, what's the actual real number of eligible films you have to go against? 20? Maybe? 25? Uh, look, and, and I too often have felt that the best animated category was simply used by the Academy to give themselves an out for not nominating Academy, uh, animated movies for best picture. You know, I talked a lot about this. You, you go back a number of years. There was literally five years straight where a Pixar film was literally the number one critically rated film of the year. And yet in none of those years did a Pixar film get nominated for best picture. And it really does feel like they created the best animated uh, category just to give themselves an out to not have to worry about nominating animated films like this. And I, I actually think the, anim, the, I honestly think, and I personally feel that the best animated category at the Academy Awards is a disservice to animated films. I think it's a disservice to animated films. 
to have it. But anyway, but yes, good. It, it looks great. It sounds great. It's definitely going to be at least one of the nominees. No doubt about it, Sam. All right, next up, Fernando writes, Hi, everyone. I love the st- I love Star Wars, but it's starting to feel like it's too much of the same thing. I wish Lucas Films would venture into non-Star Wars related material, but still science fiction. I I don't agree. There listen for now, there's a lot of other studios that can do all that stuff. To me, Star Wars is a vast the biggest problem with Star Wars the last number of decades has been the refusal to expand the universe. The universe of Star Wars that George Lucas created is vast with innumerable numbers of worlds and planets and therefore characters and stories and adventures to tell and different types of stories. But it feels like every time Lucasfilm tries to do something, they just go back to characters we've already seen. Like, listen, I'm looking forward to Obi-Wan. I am. I, I am. You guys know I'm excited to see Obi-Wan. But in a Star Wars universe that has billions of worlds and trillions upon trillions of potential characters and stories. We keep going back to the ones we already know. And while I am excited to see Obi-Wan and I am excited to see Book of Boba Fett, the reality is I think the biggest weakness right now with Star Wars is their inability to expand and venture out into that vast Star Wars universe. And I would just like to see them do a little bit more of that. Like even look when you, at least Rogue Squadron was going to be a little bit different. It's probably going to be characters we didn't know. But then there's the Ahsoka show and I'm looking forward to the Ahsoka show. But again, it's just another character everybody already knows. I'd like to see them just expand this universe more. That's that's just me, Fernando. That's just me. All right, next up, uh, we've got uh, Dante Sorchia who writes, Kim mistakenly skipped my super chat on Friday. Oh, we're so sorry about that. It it does happen. We've got so many questions going on and every once in a while, one slips into the cracks. We're sorry about that, Dante. Anyway, uh, it's okay. I was wondering why we should even care that J.K. Simmons is coming back as Gordon. As awesome as he is, the Snyderverse is effectively dead, right? Not at all. Uh, Other than Ben's last appearance, uh, what's Warner Brothers thinking? Well, it all depends on what, what do you call the Snyderverse? If you're talking about the cinematic universe that was set up in Man of Steel, that's very much still here. We got a new Wonder Woman movie coming. That is part of the DCEU, or if you want to call it the Snyderverse. We got a new Aquaman movie coming, which is a part of the DCEU, or if you want to call it the Snyderverse. We got the Flash movie coming, which is a DCEU thing, and if you want to call it the Snyderverse. So no, I mean they've got they've got the uh Robert Pattinson Batman movie coming. Okay, that's different. And they had Joker and and that's different, but no, the DCU is still very much alive and kicking. It is very much alive and kicking. And having an Academy Award winning actor like JK Simmons playing a great character like James Gordon. I I think it's a big win. I think that's why we get excited about that, man. Anyway, thanks for writing in again. Sorry we originally missed it, man. Thanks for for following up with us, though, man. It's very considerate of you. All right, next up. Uh, DNA writes, 
I highly doubt this, this, let me try this again. I highly doubt this, but what if we see the boys or Invincible in this multiverse opening in No Way Home? Talk about unexpected. Oh, dude, I'll, I'll, I never like to break out the goose egg and say zero. We can absolutely call zero on that. And, and uh, that would be a terrible idea. Th those would just be worlds that wouldn't mesh at all. So no, absolute goose egg zero on that. Although I do love Invincible and the boys a lot. All right. Ordinary human bartender, Jackie Daytona writes, Hey John, I come from an animal. Anim, I come from an animal rescue background. Very cool, and improper animal handling slash care sticks out to me like a sore thumb. With your background in law, does your brain ever go, "Well, that's not accurate"? Yes, yes, it does. Uh, when watching law-related films, thanks and bring on the filthy. Oh, absolutely. Here's the biggest one, the biggest, biggest one, and there are. And these, these, there are tons of things law related that happen in, uh, that happen in movies that are so not how it works in real life. But one of the biggest ones is a big Hollywood cliche where there's a court scene going on and blah. And then all of a sudden the defense says, the defense calls to the stand, such and such surprise witness in which everybody goes, what? And the prosecutors go, what? And it goes, that's not how it works in a court. You can't, you can't suddenly in court go, we would like to submit this into evidence. And everybody goes, what? No, no, that's not how court works. That's not how the law works. You have to let the other side know well in advance. Um, through documentation of everything, exactly what witnesses you're calling, what evidence you have and plan to present into evidence in court and blah. Like these are all things this, but it's the big Hollywood thing, the surprise, the in-court surprise. That's really not how it works. I mean, there's, there are some exceptions, but it's really not how it works. And whenever I see that in a movie or something, I go, yeah, that's, that's not how that works, but we see it all the time. Right. And I'm sure whatever profession you work in, and then a movie or TV show tries to portray that profession. You've probably had that same experience too, where you're like, yeah, that's not how that works. You probably have all seen it. All right. Thanks for that ordinary human bartender, Jackie Daytona. I do hope Jackie Daytona comes back next season in what we do in the shadows. All right. Rick Brickmore writes, maybe Andrew is saying, I'm really sorry in advance to mean he's sorry for denying that he's in the movie all this time. Uh, maybe he didn't like having to lie to all his fans. Uh, maybe, but I, I think what he's implying was he's implying, I'm sorry that I'm not in the movie, even though he may very well be, but that's kind of, that's kind of the misdirecting he still is doing there, Rick. All right. Next up old spice rights question. Uh, when tickets go on sale, is it Sunday night at 11 Oh nine? So this obviously was before the tickets went on sale. Um, is it Sunday night, 11.59, or should I be waiting, or Monday night, 11.59, rolling over into Tuesday, and is it only for opening night, because I just want to lock my Saturday morning matinee seats, let me know, John. So what did come out, and we talked about this the other day, was that they did announce, normally it's not till later in the day, but for Spider-Man, they announced that at 12.01 p.m. or 12.01 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, so 9.01 p.m. Los Angeles time. That's when the tickets were going on sale. And I believe you could get them for that entire weekend. It wasn't just for opening day. You could get them for the entire weekend. So, uh, but that's getting into your question late now. You obviously know that's how it works. <laughs> Sorry about that, Old Spice. All right, next up. William Defoe, The Four, writes, 
Ned seems safe in the trailer, but what if he slips or something while everyone's worried about MJ and he gets really hurt? Turns on Peter because this fall was his fault, joins the bad guys, Ned's hobgoblin now, he's out of control, and Peter is forced to kill Ned. Then that's what happens. Uh, I don't think that's what's happening. That seems like too radical of a character shift. We've never had any hint at all in any of the Spider-Man movies that there's anything but absolute loyalty between Peter and Ned. So I I don't think that's something to expect. I mean, they might do something wild with Ned, but an actual complete betrayal, no way. Unless like there's another Ned from another universe that comes through that's evil Ned you know, like evil Mr. Spock, Ned's going to come through, but this Ned has a goatee. So, you know, he's the evil Ned. But other than that, I don't think that's the way they're going to go. All right. Devin writes, Hey, John, Kim and Ray, and obviously Kim and Ray aren't here right now. Uh, big fan of the show for a while now here in NC. I'm going to assume that means North Carolina. Anyway, thanks for joining us, Devin. Uh, first time commenting. I hope to fly out there and meet you guys one day. Very pumped for No Way Home. Ray being in a 2-2. P.S. Can't imagine what the post credit scenes will be. Any predictions? I cannot answer that question because I actually already know what the post credit scenes are. Unfortunately, I've seen them. So I'm not going to comment on that whatsoever, but uh, yeah, you're not going to see Ray in a tutu because it's official. The moment Monday night football ended tonight and there was no new trailer, didn't even have to be a full two minute trailer, even just like a new one minute spot or whatever. It didn't happen. I lost the bet. There will be no hashtag tutu Tuesday, only ketchup on eggs Tuesday. It's a dark day, my friends. It's a dark day. But it is a bet I made, and I'm going to have to follow through with it now. All right. Thanks for writing in, Devin. It's good to have you part of our community, man. All right. Next up. Oh, Danny Boy writes in. Hey, John. If Tobey Maguire's in No Way Home, wink, wink, under or over 50% that we will hear the Sam Raimi Spider-Man theme in some form. Uh, side question. Bruce Campbell cameo in Doctor Strange 2. Thanks for the show. Peace and love. 100%, no doubt. 1,000% that we're going to see Bruce Campbell in a cameo in Dark Strange 2. Absolutely zero doubt. About it. I don't think anybody doubts that. Um, and I say well over 50% that we'll probably get shots of the score of both Toby and Andrew's Spider-Man themes. I think we'll, I think, I'm not going to say definite, but I'll certainly go over 50% on both of those though, Danny Boy. That's, I feel pretty good about that one. Okay, next up we've got the 90s who writes... A long time ago, a buddy and I went to see uh, the movies with our... Huh, went to the movies. Guys, please write in English. Uh, went to the movies with our older sisters. They saw the rare Carrie 2. We saw baby geniuses. When our, when our movie was over, we went to the theater. Our sisters were in cause... We went to the theater our sisters were in because the, their movie wasn't over. All four of us got kicked out for movie hopping. Yeah, movie hopping is something that it's very difficult to do these days. I mean, look, the greatest thing to happen to movie going, I think, in the last number of decades was pre-assigned seating. Like gone, thankfully, for most places are the dark days that you buy your ticket to a movie and you don't know what seat you have. You have to show up early enough to get in line to wait so that when the theater doors open, you can get in and get a half decent seat. Which means you have to show up to the movie theater earlier. You don't know if you're getting a decent seat, although you paid the same price as everybody else. 
then you're stampeding in there. Now you got to sit through all the 30 minutes of trailers and all that kind of stuff. Like with the advent of the enlightenment age of now we have pre-assigned seating. Now you don't have to be at the theater an hour or two hours before the movie starts to get in line. So you can bull rush into a theater to hopefully get a decent seat. You know what seat you have. And because you know what seat you have, you can even show up 20 minutes late, try to avoid most of the trailers. Uh, but yeah, because now people have their pre-signed seating, like you can't theater hop, sneak into a theater, grab a seat, because some guy's going to come around and go, uh, hey, you're in H7, that's that's my seat. It's a little more difficult. It's a little more difficult these days, but it's good to know that the some people are trying to keep that, that glorious tradition alive. All right, Benny S. writes, well, Campy Nights, I started watching Arcane. Nice. Oh my God, and fell, I fell in love with it almost instantly. It has serious Final Fantasy IX vibes while telling its own glorious story. Seven episodes in already. Jinx is more Harley Quinn than the real deal. I mean, Jinx, Jinx is such a good character, but they're all great. I find Victor to be an amazing character. Jinx, Vi, I mean, like Vander, like all the characters are so great. I love it. Like, it's very Game of Thronish, and I'm super glad you're on board with the Benny, and I'm glad you're enjoying it so far. All right. Dr. Nova writes, people looking for great transgender characters, uh, check out Dreadnought. I've never heard of Dreadnought. A superhero book about this woman who becomes the most powerful superhero. She is given a female body, but still has to deal with transphobia, but it's still a fun superhero story. It's very difficult to find, like, really different kind of storytelling stuff, and it's pretty cool when you can come across something like that that's really inclusive like that. I have personally never heard of it, but thank you for putting that on people's radars, Dr. Nova. All right. Garden Variety Vagabond writes, Ladies and gentlemen, the winner for best actor in a supporting role is Andrew Garfield for I'm not appearing in Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, when he appears in this movie, if he appears in this movie, um, he's going to have to get some, some Oscar consideration for how vehemently he's denied his involvement in the movie. All right, next up, uh, Kato uh, Mur uh, Murakami writes, since Spider-Man No Way Home is around the corner, I think one of its post-credit scenes, I believe, is that it will be a sneak peek of Into the Spider-Verse 2, just like they did with Venom, and it'll fill the whole multiverse theme. Thoughts? Very big difference in there. Venom is a strictly Sony film. Spider-Man No Way Home is not. I'm just pointing that out. That Venom is a Sony-produced and Sony-distributed film marketing another Sony produced and Sony distributed film. That is not the case of Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm just, just going to say that and let you let you kind of work that into your uh, into your reasoning there. Thanks for writing that in, Cato. Okay, uh, let's see. An anonymous viewer writes, Hey, John, if Toby and Andrew are in Spider-Man No Way Home, do you think the movie will give us time to learn more about each Spidey's life after their franchises ended? Examples, if Toby married his Mary Jane or if Andrew got over Gwen Stacy's death and met his own Mary Jane? Um, probably very quickly. Like, I would guess it would be done in a very quick, a kind of... Um, monologue-y kind of exposition way. Like maybe Andrew will give a big one-minute kind of story in my universe, blah, 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 but it'll be done in like a minute. Same thing with Toby. I don't think they're going to spend much time on this. This isn't, 
an examination of the multiversal Spider-Man. This is still Tom Holland's movie, and I think we're going to get some cool stuff with the other Spider-Man, but I don't think they're going to go too deep. Give us some information and a very quick exposition dump, but probably not too much as far as depth and stuff like that, because that's not what the movie's about. So I'm going to guess... Yes, they'll give us some information, but not spend a lot of time on it. That's my guess at any rate. All right. Next up, K Major sends in like $20. Thank you, K Major, for supporting our channel on that level, man. Um, K Major writes, hey, John, I'll be missing the show for the next two weeks. Oh, we're going to miss you, man. Going to my sister's wedding. Well, that's a good reason to go. Uh, it's a distinct, it's a destination wedding. So to keep in the same subject, what are some of your favorite wedding-themed films slash scene? Um, my best friend's wedding and the best man for me, best man was really good. Best friend's wedding is a huge one. Obviously then there's stuff like father of the bride. Um, that's a pretty big one, but no, I, I just bet you guys know me. My best friend's wedding to me is a truly, truly special movie. It is one of the only five or six movies I've ever actually cried in. It's delightful and wonderful and funny, and the ending just has me in tears when I watch it because there's an outrageous, over-the-top display of loyal friendship. And that's the part. It's not romance or sad things that gets me. It's over-the-top displays of loyal friendship. That always gets me. And the end of my best friend's wedding is that, so I definitely have to say that. And you know what, K-Major? Good on you for being able to go to your sister's wedding. I remember my sister got married, and I wasn't able to go. Because I was having visa issues. This is back a number of years. I was in the U.S. I didn't realize it. Like I inadvertently, I had no idea what was happening. But I found myself in a situation where I was having visa issues. And if I left the country, I wasn't going to be able to get back into the country. So I had to miss my sister's wedding. And that sucked. So I'm glad you're going to get to go to yours, man. All right. Next up. The Call of Duty God writes, one of two. Hey, John. I believe Toby and Andrew will be in the movie. But... Do you think if they aren't in it, did Marvel or Feige consider that all the consider that, huh? Did Marvel or Feige consider that all the rumors and badgering that they would be getting leading up to the release of Spider-Man is fair to them to go through? I think that's a dick move to do to them if they're not in it. I know Marvel has no obligation to notify them about it beforehand. Andrew is worn out, and it seems in putting a great act if he isn't in it. Love the new show format. Well, thank you so much for that. No, listen. I, I, I don't know what Marvel's supposed to look. If, look, we all believe Toby and Andrew are going to be in the movie, but there is still a possibility that they're not. So let's go on that for a second. If Toby and Andrew are not in this movie, none of that is on Marvel or Sony. That's all on the fans who created it, speculated about it, and nonstop talking about it until their speculation became expectation. That's what I always say, right? It is fun to speculate. We should speculate. It's great to speculate. Just never let your speculation become expectation. And what has happened is, like, so that's why I'm like, I totally believe Toby and Andrew are going to be in the movie, but I'm not expecting it. Like, it's not now an ex expectation. And oh, if they're not in the movie, I'm going to be mad. You don't put them in the movie. I'm going to be mad. No. If they're in the movie, great. If they're not in the movie, great. As long as they make a great movie, that's all that matters. But unfortunately, what we as film fans do is sometimes allow uh, speculation to become expectation. We get invested in the speculation. 
And that's where it becomes toxic. And that's where it becomes dangerous. So, but but other than that, no. Marvel and, and Sony have no, they don't know what the fans are going to come up with and what they're going to start going on about. And I'm sure there was probably some conversation saying, hey, you might get phone calls or questions from fans about this. I'm sure, but that's not on Sony. It's not on Marvel. Too often fans misbehave and they try to put the responsibility for that back on the studios. But really, it's on us, the fans, man. It's on us, the fans. All right. Next up. And thank you so much for that. I'm having to listen. I am having a ball with the new format of the show. I really do prefer having people in. I don't know if you can tell by watching the show, but I have a lot more fun when I have people in the studio with me. I I just have more fun doing the show. Like, don't get me wrong. I love doing the show with Rob over Skype when we needed to do that because of the pandemic. But if you look back, you can just, you could tell I was just having more fun doing it back before the pandemic when Rob and I were in the same room together. Like, it's just, to me, it's more fun. And I am having a really, really good time actually having people in the room with me uh, and Ray and Kim. uh, And of course, neither of them replaced Rob. Rob had a very different kind of role. Rob was a commentator. That's what Rob is. Rob is a pundit and a commentator. That's not what Kim's here to do. That's not what Ray is here to do. Uh, But they have provided um, a shot of fun into the show for me personally. And just my belief is if I'm having more fun doing the show, the show will be better. The show's just better if I'm having more fun doing it. And uh, I certainly hope that we'll figure out a way some sometimes that Rob's going to be able to come down and be in here. And Aaron, once she, you know, of course, Aaron and Tom have a new baby. But, you know, once they get more settled with the baby and some time has passed, we're going to have Aaron back in here as well. Uh, actually, I think Aaron and Rob are both going to be at our Spider-Man uh, No Way Home screening on Thursday that we're going to invite some of you viewers to come and join us at. We have a private theater a private screening at 3 p.m. on Thursday, the 16th, the very first screening of Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, Rob's going to be there. I think Aaron's going to be there. And uh, we're going to invite some of you, some of our viewers to come along to that as well. So keep your eyes open for how to maybe score your invitation to that screening uh, on the John Campus Show in the next couple of days. All right. Thanks a lot for that, Call of Duty God. All right, next up, Sam Fisher writes, I like Arcane. Dude, I freaking love Arcane. Uh, don't think it's the GOAT animated show, though. Never played the game, but I'm sure stuff like the Hex Tech and the Gloves and Warhammer are from the game. Um, it just me, or is Jinx like the third Harley Quinn-like character we've had recently? Um, I don't know. Look, here's the reality. And first of all, I don't play the game, so I don't know if Hextech and the Warhammer, the gloves, I'm sure they are from the game. I'm sure they are, but I don't know the game, so I don't care about that. You can take any character in any movie or show and say, this character is like that model of character that we've had somewhere. I mean, that's just the way it is. You can do that with whatever your favorite show is. You can take the three main characters and compare them, draw up ample comparisons to five or six other archetypes from other characters we've seen in other shows. That's the way it is. The key is how do you execute it? Do you find good chemistry between those characters and the other characters around them? And you tell a compelling story with them. Is Jinx a little like a Harley Quinn character? Yes. But Jace is a little bit like name 10 other characters. Um, and you can do that with any show, with any show or any movie. 
The question is, do you give some uniqueness to them? And then do you give a unique dynamic between them and their environment and the other characters around them? And then what they do with that in Arcane to me is just on another level. It's just really good. And yes, she's like wild and mad, but she's also, Jinx is also very distinct from Harley Quinn. She looks crazy and dangerous and wild and mad. Yeah. But once you get by those basic things, Jinx and Harley are two very different characters. So anyway, that's just kind of my uh, point of view on that. Sam, thanks for sharing your thoughts on it, Sam. I appreciate that, man. All right. Sam also writes, also, I thought Vi had a Roman numeral six tattooed on her face because that would seem like it would be meaningful, but that's also uh, just her name. Does Vi just have her name tattooed on her face? I that listen because I don't know anything about the game. All I can say is my interpretation is that it's Vi. It's not the Roman numeral six, but maybe people who know the lore of the game, or maybe once we get further into season two of arcane, we might find out that there's actually another meaning to that. But my assumptions, Sam personally has been that it's just her name. She's got Vi tattooed. On there. That's my guess, but maybe we'll find out that we're wrong about that. Thanks for writing that, dude. All right, next up. Josh writes, John, I loved Arcane like most. Any chance it can get any Emmy nominations next year? I know it's animated and came out early, but I think it can fit into some categories. Drama, writing, series, thoughts. Thank you for all the content. No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, there's there are Emmy categories for animation. I think it can be in, in that for that. But I mean, again, the thing about these Emmy nominations is that, and Oscars and things that, it can't just be great. It has to be the top five great. And is Arcane a top five when you actually start breaking down what the best shows out there are? And I don't know about that. Like Arcane is my favorite animated show, I think, ever. But do I like it as much as some of the other stuff this year? I don't know. So could it? Sure. Any TV show could get all the big Emmy nominations. They could. It's possible. I definitely expect to see Arcane, and I hope to see Arcane get some, some of the animated divisions, uh, love and stuff like that. But as far as other stuff like that, um, I don't know. I think it might be too different. And I don't know how it'll compare up against a lot of the other shows either. So we'll have to wait and see, Josh. You never know, though. I wouldn't discount it completely. All right, next up. Squiggles McGee writes, John, I have a friend that watches everything at 1.4 speed or greater. I do that sometimes with audiobooks, to be honest with you. Not all of them, but there are some audiobooks that I find are, are kind of slowly paced. Not bad, just slowly paced. And I'll put it to like a 1.2, 1.4 speed just to get through it a little bit faster. Anyway, I have a friend that watches everything at 1.4 speed for or greater. Do you think it takes away from the film by watching slash listening to film at different speeds? This could be a solution for Ray. No, I don't think that would be a solution for Ray. I mean, it all depends. It, it depends on the individual. Listen, if you take it in better at that speed, if you're now, I, I couldn't do that to be honest. I, I wouldn't do that. I couldn't do that. But if for you watching something at that speed, works for you, then it all becomes relative, right? Like you really wanted that dramatic three-second pause. But guess what? If everything's moving at 1.4 speed, then even though that three-second pause is shorter, it's still relative 
it's still the same pause length relative to the speed that everything else is playing. So again, it wouldn't work for me personally, but I could see it working just fine for some individuals and it wouldn't take away from the story for them. But I, I personally couldn't do it. I personally couldn't do it, Squiggles. All right, next up. Movie Night with Friends writes, Hey, John and crew. Uh, every weekend, me and a group of friends get together and have a movie night. This week, the realization came up that we've shown quite a few movies that involve phones as a central object in some way of them being, uh, in some way of them being, uh, dial M for murder buried. Oh yeah. Buried <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. One of my favorite Ryan Reynolds performances. Uh, sorry, wrong number. We have two questions for you using whatever criteria you want. Would one, would you consider the matrix in this group? No, not really. I mean, I think you can make an argument for that. You could make an argument for it. I wouldn't personally put that in the group. Uh, and two, what are some of your favorite movies that involve phones? Phone Booth is one. Well, first of all, every movie involves phones, but like significantly. One I will put up there is um, is Speed. Pop quiz, hot shot. Like, because like all the, the communications between our hero and our villain happens over the phone, right? So that's another one. Even though it's only momentary, the whole opening of Scream becomes that, but I, I don't think that one counts. So I'm going to go Phone Booth or um, Speed. Now, I'm saying that not giving it a lot of thought. Maybe if I sat down for an afternoon and really thought about it, I might be able to come up with some other ones. But those are the two ones I'll pull off the top of my head. Very interesting question, Movie Night. All right, next up. Uh, Notion Splosion writes, one of three. Hi, John. I was wondering if you had any thoughts slash theories on the recently announced Super Mario Brothers voice cast. I found its inclusion of Donkey Kong, despite the classic gorilla character's general absence in Super Mario-centered games, um, intriguing. Do you think that the movie could give us a backstory to the original Donkey Kong arcade, revealing how the two hero characters... I'm going to tell you right now, Notion, I think you're overthinking this a lot. Anyway, uh, how the two hero characters became in opposition per Donkey Kong kidnapping the princess. My guess is Donkey Kong will be retconned as innocent in that act per another announced character, Kamek, uh, wizard turtle baddie, uh, putting a spell on Donkey Kong to kidnap the princess for Bowser. Any thoughts? I don't think they're going to go anywhere near in depth on that at all. I don't think that's going to be what this is not going to be a Donkey Kong and Mario movie. Uh, Donkey Kong is clearly a key character in this, but I really don't think they're going to go into that. I think we're probably over. As far as my thought on the voice cast, it's a great voice cast. Would I have liked to have seen one or two Italian guys doing these very famous hyper, hyper exaggerated Italian characters like Mario and Luigi? Sure, I would have, but it's perfectly fine. It's good. Uh, I think the voice cast is going to do great. I think it's going to be wonderful. I, I think this is probably going to be a really fun movie. I, I, I'm not going to doubt this kind of movie anymore the way I doubted the Lego movie and then I ended up loving it. So I'm going to give this one the benefit of the doubt and we'll we'll see how that goes. Thanks for that in, Notion. All right. And last question of the day, guys. Comes to us from Victor who writes, Hey, John. I'm excited about Obi-Wan, but also a little worried. They've teased a rematch between Obi-Wan and Vader, but I fear it will just be a Mustafar part two and feel a bit anticlimactic. Also, I love Hayden, but he hasn't been in a lot in the last 10 plus years. Um, yeah, that's true. And listen, I'll be honest with you. First of all, Hayden Christensen is a good Canadian kid. He did this. He had an incredible performance. I believe he might have even gotten a Golden Globe nomination for, I think it's called My Life is a House. And he was quite good in it. 
I have personally never found him to be a particularly strong actor outside of that. And although, you know, definitely not the worst actor out there, definitely not the worst, uh, but I've never been, you know, like, oh man, this guy is an A-lister. Like I've, I've never been that with, with him, but still he's kept a little busy. He's done a few projects here and there to keep the old knives sharp. I don't think you're going to, I don't think we're going to find him to be completely rusty by the time we get into uh, Obi-Wan. Look, the key is this. I don't care how their final confrontation goes. I'm just looking for a good story. If you make the show great and the final fight disappoints, whatever, no big deal. If you make a crappy show but have a great final fight, that doesn't save the show. So I'm kind of okay with it. The only thing I would be worried about, here's what I would be worried about, Victor, is not like a Mustafar part two, but a Tatooine part two. Because you remember in Rebels, they hyped up all season the conflict the reunion conflict between Obi-Wan and Darth Maul. They hyped that up in the very first trailer of that season of Rebels. And they built up to it and built up to it and built up to it. And literally when that episode finally came, that Obi-Wan and Darth Maul confronted each other again in the sands of Tatooine, it was literally like, all right, now we're going to fight. Jun Jun dead. And that was it. And I remember watching going, we waited all year for that? I mean, it was perfectly fine because it was very well set up story. It, it was all good. But I remember thinking, it's like, we waited all year for that. That, okay, let's fight. Jeng Jeng dead. And that was it. And it was done. So I wouldn't be worried about a Mustafar part two. That would be fine. To me, a Mustafar part two would be fine. I would be a little bit worried is if the entire season of Obi-Wan, and we don't know if this is going to do this or not. We don't know, like everybody's already making up in their heads what this is going to be about, thinking that this whole show is just going to be about Obi-Wan and Vader, and it's just going to build up to the finale and Vader's fighting Obi-Wan again. And maybe that happens, maybe it doesn't. But my fear would be if you build up the whole season to that, and then they confront each other in the finale, and it's like, Perry, Perry, dead. And it's done just like that. That's what I would be worried about. I ain't worried about a Mustafar part two. I'm worried about a Rebels Obi-Wan Darth Maul playing out again. That's what I would be worried about. All right, guys. Listen, there are still more uh, questions to come, but we will get picked off, picked off. We will pick up right where we left off after Victor on the John Campion Show tomorrow. It's going to be me, Kim, and Rain here again, of course. Can't wait to have you guys join us for that. So thank you to everybody for watching this video and a special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. Number two, you supported this channel as you did it and all of us involved with the John Campion Show. Thank you guys very much for your support. Okay, guys, once again, don't forget to join us for the John Campia Show tomorrow morning. That'll do it for us for now, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.